0: Hi everybody, welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for 20, 30, and 40-year-olds who feel like they have so much more to offer but are somehow stuck where they are. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season we'll be talking all about transferable skills in our season called The Skills That Pay the Bills. I am extremely excited to have Stephanie Getz with us today. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm doing so well. So I I cannot express how awesome your career has been. Uh, You you have done everything from being an award-winning newscaster on an NBC CBS affiliate to starting your own business. And most incredibly, you're you're licensed to pilot various aircrafts. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Yes, I am a pilot. I'm an aviator.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And I love the fact that you're championing women in this area as well and coming alongside girls and women who want to become pilots and really supporting them in those endeavors.
1: Absolutely. It, it, the industry is roughly only made up of about 6% female and the rest male. And that is what it is. And we're trying to change that. And the number has really only increased... One percentage over 30 years. And so the, that's really vital, but it's also vital for all diverse populations. Those of Latino descent, um, also African-American, um, those uh, in, uh, in Asia and beyond. So it's, it's bringing in all different diverse groups into aviation because the more diverse it is, the better diversity of thought. And, um, and it's just really important to get all those groups in.
0: That's incredible. I remember we were on a flight recently, a commercial flight, and we had a female pilot. And I turned around to my daughter. I was like, that's awesome. Yes. And she came on. And when we got off, we ended up being on the little transport train with her. And I just walked up with Maddie, my daughter, and I just said, I want to say you're an inspiration. And I'm so glad you were our pilot. And it was just so cool.
1: Yep. The the airplane has no idea your ethnic background, has no idea if you're male, female, whatever. It just knows whether you're a good pilot or not. And females end up being exceptionally good pilots and in some cases even better. And I hear that a lot from my male counterparts. Um, in many ways, the, the women are a lot even better. And so getting, getting these women over some of the barriers to become that is exactly what I'm here to do.
0: Incredible. Well, if anybody listening to this podcast is an aspiring pilot, you know who to turn to. Stephanie yes. is your woman. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. We'll talk much more about that.
0: Fantastic. So as I said, this season is all about the skills that pay the bills. And Stephanie, you've had quite a diverse uh, background in your working life. And you are just basically, you started your entire life doing your working life, um, doing work around broadcasting. So, So tell me a bit about how you got into broadcasting.
1: Yeah, I kind of stumbled into it. But ultimately, it was something that I feel like I was, I was born to do, which is, which is something that I'm just going to hopefully encourage others to really pay attention to those desires and things that they love because they're there for a reason. So I went into school at the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities, uh, Big Ten, go gophers, um, (laughs) went into school going, I want to be a pharmacist. That's all I wanted to be. I'd grown up in a pharmacy, been working since I was probably 13 or 14 in my dad's pharmacy, doing various things and really worked my way up there and absolutely loved it. But when I got into my first chemistry class in college, I was like, hmm, yeah, uh, that sounds like a foreign language. I loved it in high school, could not even handle it in college. And so I left class and had to change my major at the beginning of my sophomore year. And my poor parents, I called them, I said, yep, I think I'm going to go into writing (laughs) <laughs> instead of a field of the, in pharmacy and the medical field. I don't think they were particularly happy with me at that moment, but they, they realized that I had to do something that I loved. Otherwise I wasn't going to be a happy individual. And so I stumbled into broadcast journalism by realizing my love for sports broadcasting. And so I said, I love that. I've also been on the performing side of things, knowing that broadcast is definitely, there's an element of that because every single day you're performing every newscast or every live shot or, or, or anything in between. And so I went in the, in the routes of sports broadcasting. Now, the greatest advice I got through that was I have to also be in a field that has enough kind of an abundance for everyone. So sports was a niche within broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And so a newscaster who was also a sportscaster, he had done sports, he'd done news, he'd done everything. Um, he was a great guy and he took me under his wing and he said, I would encourage you to think about doing news, even though you might not love it as much and you love sports, try to do maybe both. Well, I was so grateful for that piece of advice because, first of all, there were far more jobs in news. It was something different every single day. Um, with sports, what you get is different season, often same guys or gals, with some trades here and there or rookies here and there. But the story what line was the same. It was kind of one or two things. Are we rebuilding this season? Are we coming off of a great season and having to try to replicate that? And so Although that is incredible, and I love listening to that on on ESPN and FSN and everything, I wanted a little bit more variety. And so I did both news and sports, anchoring, um, reporting, sideline, and everything. And that was incredibly great advice to expand it beyond and not just pigeonhole myself into one area.
0: Hmm. So just picking up on a couple of things you said there, so just going back to university days and... You have that moment where you want to be something. So I think mine was a pediatric surgeon. That was where okay. that's where I started. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then you walk into whatever situation comes about. So for you it's this chemistry class and you recognize if this is not working for me, the rest of this is not going to work for me. And sometimes I think it's really important to have that realization and not fight through something that you could do. I mean, Stephanie, you're an incredibly intelligent woman. You could have gotten through that chemistry class. You could have been brilliant yes. at advancing. Yes. Oh, but you. You, re- you recognized that that's not where your passion was. And you recognized that actually it was a struggle for you to get through that. Now, let me ask you a question. When you moved into that broadcasting bit and you moved into writing, I don't know what the major ended up being. We can get onto that in a second. When you did that, did you feel that kind of natural click when you did it or was it still an effort?
1: I think there was, it's hard to think back that far and realize like kind of the emotional side of it, but mm. I think it it felt much more natural for me. Absolutely. So, but there was definitely hard work that had to be put in. So yeah. I think that that's a really important thing as people are discovering in their careers, if something re- feels really unnatural, kind of that intuition, that gut feeling, if it doesn't feel supernatural, um, give it a little bit of time because you got to give everything a little bit of time. But at some point you say, this is just not my bag anymore. I've got to mm-hmm. do something a little bit different. But for me, it was, it felt relatively natural from the I was in musicals and performing theater arts and everything. So that's sort of the performing side of it. I certainly understood, but the um, understanding, the details of how to, how to put a story together, how to get the right people and information and breaking news and last minute information that, that was of course hard work that I had to understand and, and, and dive into and not, and, and not let that stop me either because there is nothing in this world that is worth anything that doesn't take hard work. Mm. It just, there, that, if there's one, you know, there's so many pieces of advice that we'll talk about, but hard work is number one, first and foremost, and it's going to, and it doesn't, it's not always glamorous, but everything in my career in my business and in aviation has been with hard work, but there was that underlying fire around it that kept me going when I was exhausted.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the nuance right there. I think you just hit the nail on the head is you have that underlying fire. You have that passion. It's either you're driven by your values, you're driven by a goal, you're driven by something that allows you to get through that hard work and get through the hard times. And when you don't have that passion, it's not going in the right direction, you're on the wrong path, you're fighting through hard times and you're headed in a direction you don't even want to go in. And so that's the kind of thing, just taking that time to actually step back, assess you know, do a little bit of self-reflection and recognize that. I think that's, that's really important. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to pick up on was your mentor. So we have an entire season called Marvelous Mentors. And it sounds like this was one of your mentors, this person who gave you some fantastic advice about branching out outside of sports reporting.
1: Absolutely. Mentors are so vital. And you don't need like five or 10 of them. You can have a couple that are that are really good. And this was a mentor that I... That I got early on in my career when I was an intern or associate producer at a station in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he was one of the sports anchors there and an incredible man, very well respected and loved. And I, I found that not everyone's going to want to be your mentor, not everyone's going to want to help you out. And knowing that, then you just go on to the next person. If someone is not going to want to help you out, don't get discouraged. Go on to the next person, go on to someone who will help you. And ours was not a formulaic, really, uh, mental relationship. It was that I reached out to him for things here and there because he really wanted to be there and build up the next generation of broadcasters. And so he, throughout my career, was so vital in helping me understand what is the next step I need to take. Um, so for example, as I was going from uh, school to then into broadcast that great advice of why don't you try not just looking at sports jobs, but news jobs that also have a flair of sports to them. So you can have that variety, but you can at least get that initial job. And so I, that was great advice there. Well, I can't tell you how many times I used his advice there on going forward. When I, when the jobs that I wanted weren't in larger markets, Mm -hmm. they were in the more medium, smaller size markets, but I was getting to be a bigger fish in that that pond. And so he's like, keep doing that, keep growing, keep excelling there, which was the best advice I could have gotten versus being discouraged about not being in a larger market. So I had a bigger footprint in that market as an anchor and a main person, um, for the main station there. That's huge. And, but he also helped me negotiate pay. That was such a big thing. And I see this, uh, you know, whether it's male or female, that a lot of times we weren't, aren't going to be asking for our worth, or we'll ask so far above it that it's like, okay, are, are you dreaming? This isn't even on par with anything in the industry. And he was really great at level setting. This is actually what is realistic and what you're worth. Mm-hmm. And I had to to fight for that, and certainly went above what I would have ever asked. But now. That has helped me in my business ask for what I am worth, but also a fair price that I have to think about, do I want a longer term relationship or do I want one gig with them that's really high priced, but they'll never hire me again. Mm. A very interesting balance.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we're seeing a lot of that in the media is that women aren't getting paid the same amounts. You've got that whole pay gap issue. And part of that comes down to when you're having that contract negotiation, when you're actually at the beginning, when you're asking for the money up front. And so for people that own their own businesses, who are going out on their own, I think Stephanie's point there is is one to think about that kind of do you want longevity? So do you need income that's going to be set from these people and actually giving them a discount, maybe not charging the amount you would to a big corporate who wants you to come and speak at one event and you know that they may call you back, but it's likely that this is your big event, so charge them the full shebang. You know, so having that, having that in your mind. And what I love here is find somebody that knows it in the business. So find somebody you can ask and say, can I just check with you? These are my price points. Am I way out there for the level that I am, for the experience that I have? What are other people doing in the market? And having those open conversations with someone will allow you to gauge whether or not you're right.
1: Absolutely. It's so important going into it to be a learner of the industry of whatever you're going into. And so for me in broadcast, I knew I didn't know much about it. I just knew I loved it and was learning. And so learning from others who've either made mistakes or had great success, then you can say, I'm going to learn from your success and not, and then learn from your mistakes and not have to make those. And and that helps in in any industry you're going into. But those those people along the way who have paved the the path already, really important to latch onto the things that they've done and then make your own path within there.
0: Yeah. And I, I say that often on this podcast is the fact that a lot of people listening will be those kind of A type personalities who like to go at it by themselves and don't necessarily want to listen. And the thing is, is listen. You don't necessarily have to always take the advice, but listen to the advice. And I guarantee you five years down the road, you'll look back and say, I wish I'd taken that advice.
1: Yes. all. You don't have, you can take it with a grain of salt or you don't have to take all of the advice, But, but it's why not learn from someone who's already been there? Mm. And that is a very strong place for a type A person. It's not being weak. It's not being someone who can't handle it. It's saying, I'm going to take all the intel here, kind of do my own research on this and then make the best decision from there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So let's move on with your career. So you go into broadcasting. It sounds like you are moving up in these ponds, becoming this big fish in medium-sized ponds, and then you kind of got a big break.
1: Yeah, well, the I think it was a break more in what do I really want to be doing? Mm-hmm. So I moved all the way up at um at an NBC station in a mid-sized market and absolutely loved it. I was doing five o'clock, six o'clock, and ten PM newscasts. And then also when they didn't have someone for the five thirty, because they had two networks, NBC and CBS, um, they said, Well, why don't you also do the five thirty? So just stay on the entire time. And sometimes I'd even do six thirty. I mean, it was absolutely I don't know how my nerve endings actually still work and my adrenaline how I still have some because that was so intense for that amount of time to get ready for a newscast for a 5 p.m. newscast is you come in at about one o'clock or, or 1.30, have a news meeting, cut some promos, like coming up today at five, and all of a sudden it's four o'clock and you're writing stories as a news anchor, you're finding content, you're getting video with your producer. It's not just like you show up and look pretty to be the best, you also have to look through every single one of your scripts, which I did every single day. Not one of them would pass um, on air without me seeing it first, because I knew I had to know what I was saying and catch any errors that should be in there. So that was very, very intense to to do. And I loved it. And probably over 10 years, I did about 5,000 newscasts. Mm -hmm. So learning that skill of how to be on when your personal life might be falling apart. When you're mad at your, your, uh, one of your colleagues or frustrated with the business or anything's going on, your hair's not looking good or makeup's not right. You have to show up. And that's also, that goes for every single person at home, um, sitting in, in their home, doing, doing work from home as well. Mm. Um, we have to show up as our best selves as much as possible because your first impressions or impressions last. And so, as I was going through that, I thought this is, this is a lot. This is very intense. I don't know if I want to continue doing this. So I had some other looks at um, larger markets and did some interviews. And I just thought I, as much as I love this, my, my, my dream of this has shifted. Mm -hmm. And that's a piece of advice. I hope someone can take here is that don't, don't be disappointed. If your expectations which aren't always good things, it's better to have more goals and hopes and and achieve versus just expecting something to happen, is that my expectation, if I would have stayed with that, I would have been very disappointed because, oh, I'm getting out of the business. Am I failing? Is this what I should be doing? But it was exactly what I was supposed to do. That chapter was closed in that book. And if I would have kept doing that, I think I would have been burned out. I don't know if the fire would have been there and I wouldn't have performed the way that I had the highest standard for my viewers every single night. And so at some point I thought I'm ready to do something different. What on earth does that look like? Because holy cow, that sounds frightening to just Mm -hmm. make the leap somewhere. And the great advice of um, a very, very impressive management consultant from McKinsey, who just happens to now be my husband. he he um he he said, well, you have ten years of experience in broadcast in communication, influence presence. why don't you use that into this next this next phase and so start talking with people just do informational interviews. so I talked to many people in p r in communications in even in things regarding events, because I knew I was good at organizing and loved people. And nothing was really spurring any sort of spark. Mm. So I kept having these conversations kind of getting to know day in the life of and what do I need to do and all of that, and I just i didn't I didn't love it. So what was spurring a spark in me was um I had started a nonprofit, a mental health nonprofit. After um, losing my brother back in 2001, he had taken his life and it was utterly devastating. And I started a nonprofit to help put mental health professionals in schools, like a school nurse, so mental health mm-hmm. school nurse. And it was incredibly successful. Also, we did awareness campaigns for mental health for kids and families and access to care. So helping them defray some of the costs regarding mental health. It was called the Getz Mental Wellness Initiative and Imagine Thriving. So in that, that was a start to actually my business now i didn't that wasn't a business at all that was a full nonprofit, but it started planting seeds inside of me in entrepreneurship. so starting a nonprofit, although you don't make any money, it's very similar to a for profit because you have to get people around you that's that are on the board that support you that give advice that help you guide it. you have to get support in the community, you have to get awareness out there, so p r and campaigns and all of that and I found. Oh my goodness. I love having two really big things, ownership and freedom. Mm. Ownership over my content, ownership over my, uh, ability to make decisions, freedom to have, not have a boss and, and be my own boss and have time off when I need to, but work when I wanted to, um, the freedom to make the decisions that I wanted to over content and over who I worked with. Now there's downsides to that because, you might not know where the paycheck is coming next because you might not. the business might not be great and you really have to hustle for it. Um, you also have to be accountable for all of your decisions. And I was ready for all of that. And so once I saw that come into view and I'd gotten actually that advice from someone who was actually part of an organization called the Misfits. And I was like, I love this. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're a great organization. I do work worldwide. And he said, you got to figure out that almost nebulous idea of what do you want in your life? And it might not be a career, but it is, a, it is kind of this life that you want. And mine was that freedom and ownership piece. So from there, um, and from the speaking that I had done on the mental health nonprofit side of things and having gone through losing family members earlier in my life, having to go through challenging times as a broadcaster or anything like that, here's what I decided on. I wanted to do the motivational inspirational speaking. Hmm. And so I told my now husband, but I told him that over dinner one night and I thought he was going to go, yeah, okay, let's try something else. But no, he said, well, then you're going to do it. And I was like, that's all I needed was one person to believe in me. And I was like, well, if he says I can, of course I can do it. And from there, then I laid out a plan to say, how do I do this? So what is the first thing I do? I talked to someone who was in the industry, a great motivational speaker in the Midwest, and he had built his career on talking about passion. And I'm like, okay, so he's making five figures a month in North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, like a smaller area. Are you kidding me? I can, what is the formula? How can you do it? And I learned so much from him around creating a business plan and a business model around it. And so I said, that is what I, I want to do. And so I started creating content and started speaking to businesses around this inspirational, motivational speaking around grit, resilience, how to give their, their teams more grit and resilience and give them those tools and skills that they have inside of them. Well, I start talking to companies and after I left broadcasts um, and I start talking to companies and they said, oh, so do you also do communication coaching and, and media training? And I go, well, sure, yes. Of course I do. Of
0: course <laughs> I do. <laughs> of course I, I do. Years.
1: And I was like, wait. So offline, I was having conversations with my husband and and others in the business. And I was like, wait, people actually need help with communicating? Really? Is that is that a thing? I thought everyone just knew how to do that. I was so... In, in this world of broadcast that, uh, and, and you, when you're in a field, you know it so well, you don't realize that others are not experts in that field. And so for me, it was this really big awakening that no, people don't always know how to communicate or influence and connect and, and really make an impact on their, their speech with their speech. And that's what I had to do for 10 years every single night. And so I thought, wow, are you kidding me? That, that a, I love doing this of course. And that's where my business developed guest communications then fully developed around two big pillars of coaching around how do you present, how do you communicate one-on-one and influence, especially now virtually, but then the bigger piece, uh, the second piece, the second pillar around how do you um, talk with the media and how do you land a really great interview? So media training and communications training. And that all evolved from a need in the marketplace and there's great stories, um, really, really great stories about people that start exceptional businesses, have a whole bunch of reasons why they're successful. But one of the reasons is because there's a need in the marketplace that needs to be filled and your skills and talents are exactly what will fill that. So a really great example of that was Jack Dorsey, the Twitter co-founder or founder um, of Twitter. But he he had some friends who were art dealers and were selling beautiful art But at the time, they could only really take check or cash. And he's like, this is really hampering a lot of my great artists and and painters and everything out there who are not able to have these transactions with um, via credit card because they would have to be a bigger business or be incorporated of some state. And so he's like, why don't I create something where they can actually take payment via credit card? Mm -hmm. You know what square is? Yes. That we yes, all I do. use. Yes. That's where Square, the, the pay, credit card payment processing came out of, is he saw a need in the marketplace. There were these small businesses that were making exceptional things that probably didn't want to be multi-million dollars or didn't have the time or, or didn't. That's not where they wanted to be. They wanted to make great things. Hmm. But they had something that was, that was um, hampering them. And so he created Square. So, for those listening out there, I think thinking about what skills do you have that fill a void in the marketplace. And so, if you think about those things too separately, it can be really helpful. So, what need out there in the world is there that needs to be solved? And 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 that can be something for ideally, you know, for you for for profit, it's for a job, or of course for a nonprofit too. But there are some needs out there that are like that are really important that we need to solve. And one one other one that was just. It's like for inventors out there for things such as, you know, when you drop your phone in your car and you're sitting in the driver's seat or passenger seat and it drops down like that one little, that one little area right next to you in the middle console, how annoying that is. Yep. And your phone is like gone forever. Yep. Well, and you find it of course under the seat. Well, some inventor came up with a little black cloth piece that you put in between there that, 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 uh, Keeps it from going down there. Now, of course, you have to know in the marketplace: is there? Can you sell it? Um, You know, how big is um, would the market share be, and all of that. But those sorts of things are what ultimately led me to go. There's a need out there, and how can I fill it? This is how I'll fill it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And 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 one of the things I just want to pick up here is, you know, when you're starting a business, it can evolve. So one of the things that you talked about is you had some thoughts around. What you thought you might do and then you went out there and you're in the market and all of a sudden it kind of changed into something else. And so part of what I want to make sure our listeners recognize is that there is that evolving and you need to be aware of the evolving and looking at that gap in the market is is part of that. And what I love about this, obviously, this is the skills that pay the bills is, you use those transferable skills that you didn't even know you had absolutely. that other people needed. Yeah. And that's that's what I think is absolutely amazing is when you step out and you went from one industry to a completely different one, you use those skills, but you became a business owner. You know, you weren't working for a massive corporate. You didn't have your holidays. You didn't have the salary coming in. And that's that's kind of scary. And one of the things I definitely yeah. want to touch on is, how do you get over that fear? So one of the things you talked about is your now husband giving you that sort of, you can do this. Of course you can do this. You'll be amazing, which, mm-hmm. but what if you have somebody, what if you have a partner or a friend or a mentor or somebody who is, has that negative voice? So, you know, yeah. how do you get yes. over that? How do you actually get the belief in yourself to go and do this?
1: Well, first of all, I would encourage you to be really, to really examine the people you spend time with because that's who ultimately you take from and kind of become a little bit, little bits and pieces. And so your inner circle and outer circles and beyond, who are these people that are filling you up? Who are the people that you're around? There's a great quote by by Taylor Swift of all people that she says, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, Mm. especially if you want to be successful. You, if you're the smartest person in the room, that's where you should be if you're teaching, if you're leading, if you are inspiring or if or if you're helping people break through something to get. That's when you're in the, the advisor and teacher stage. If you're wanting to be more successful, surround yourself with people who are really successful and are positive individuals and also those who aren't jealous of your success um, because your mentors, your idols will Eventually, be your peers. Hmm. That was something that I heard midway through my business, and I was like, Well, that's not going to happen. And then I sit here today and I go, Yeah, one of my idols that I look up to immensely, she's a peer of mine now, and I do the same work, maybe even more. How incredible is that to think of that? So, so I, so making sure that, think about the people around you. Think about those that are supporting you. If they are saying, if they're saying, if there's five people that you ask the same thing about advice-wise on business and they all say, I don't know, I think it's a little risky. I'm not sure if you should do that. Really examine that because if you have five really successful people telling you that, yes, there are stories of completely overcoming and the naysayers and all that, but usually in those stories of people overcoming the naysayers, it was the naysayers were often, of course, not like they didn't have that vision and -hmm. there was one or two people in their lives that said, yes, absolutely. You can do this. So if there are a lot of people saying being negative around you, examine whether that's really the individuals or whether it's, uh, maybe they are right. Maybe there's a grain of truth in there and I need to go a different path Um, and and find those people around you or find those friends of friends or whoever it is uh, that are those individuals that are going to empower you and encourage you because you, but you have to be, you have, what I, what I call it is not just blind encouragement. You need people that are truth tellers Hmm. that are going to be honest with you and they're going to be kind and supportive, but they're going to tell you the truth. And they're going to say when, well, this actually probably isn't the best thing. So one example I have of that was when I was figuring out how do I build my business? There's many ways that people can build it. You can build it from You can focus on more online platforms and really fill up socials, fill up LinkedIn, fill up Facebook, fill up every avenue possible or online or anything. And if that's the kind of clientele you're going for, absolutely great. Or do you want to go more specifically for very specific asks of bigger corporations or bigger fish? I chose the latter and I said, I want to go for more specific individuals or companies that I want to work with. And I'm going to work very hard with them and for them. And that was really great advice I got from my mentor as I was going through this to say, there is a, there is like a, a space and shape and everything for everyone. And where do I want to fit? That's where I want to fit. And so how I built the business was, going to larger corporations, working with individuals, higher level companies where, yeah, it may have been a long shot in some sense, but I was like, why not try? The answer is always no if you don't ask. So I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to build this relationship. But what was really important with that is if I'm going to go for bigger fish, I have to play the long game. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get a, probably not going to get a work with them immediately. And probably it's probably gonna be two months, three months, six months, a year, maybe five years later, but it is going to be so well worth it. And it's going to be so profound and it's going to be so fulfilling that it's going to be worth it from there. And so that, those kind of mentors that kind of showed me, okay, you could go this avenue, but why don't you try this one? And for me, that has worked out and I was really appreciative of the truth that they would speak to me and the honesty they would have, but then the encouragement that they'd have along the way as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's absolutely right. So this truth sayers, the critical friend, the kind of person who's able to actually look at the ideas you have and maybe say, why do you think about this a bit more? Or isn't that already happening? Or how's that different from this? That's very different from say, somebody just knocking you down and either, as you said, through jealousy or through pettiness or through fear of their own, whatever it is knocking you down. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and one thing I want to touch on that, that you're talking about of, of those who might be naysayers too about, well, there are other things, there are other individuals like this doing the same work in the industry. That shouldn't be a reason to not go into an industry mm. because there's lots of really, there's, there's J-Lo, there's Beyonce, there's lots of famous singers, but there's also so many great up and coming singers. And your niche in that area could be what exactly the world needs and what people want to hear. And and they consume a lot of different categories of music. So and a lot of different kinds of musicians. So we need to have a lot of them or whether that's in the legal realm or whether that's in speaking and and coaching. And that was one thing that Um, when you touch on and think about like, how do you overcome some of the fear around going into and starting your own thing? First of all, fear is a very, can be a real, real feeling thing. And it can be understandable too, because you can look ahead of you and go, "Hmm, I don't have any incoming coming in. What am I supposed to do? How can I do this? And for me, I realized that I need to build up a runway of like six or eight months financially, so I couldn't leave. So I built that up about six or eight months or a year before I left broadcast, just squirreling away every little bit of money here and there. And in fact, I didn't even donate. I didn't even give to my 401k at that time because I realized that this is a bigger investment for me later on. My financial advisor, she even said, do it, like put that into your immediate savings now, that's a bigger priority than your 401k, which I thought was an incredible thing for that moment, for what I was in. And then of course that next year I ended up giving like double to my 401k because my income had doubled because of what I mm-hmm. built, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, but, but I built a, I didn't, I didn't just like leave my job and just, just all of a sudden I'm, I am, I'm, I'm here and we'll see if the money comes. I had built up that, that runway to be able to live off of and, And then I said, I need to have this amount of money coming in each month for the next six months. And so I need to live off for this year. So that budget was was vital, was my everything. Here's the income. Here's the revenue I need to have coming in. And here's what needs to be going out. So that was a really critical piece to help realize and overcome some of that fear because I had a formula then in front of me. And So if I said, I'm going to approach these 30 potential customers And then I'll get, I could get at least two or 3,000 or or a piece out of them or 10 or whatever it was, or, um, or, or even a couple hundred, then I can build it from there. Mm -hmm. And that's where then that fear started to diminish a little bit around, can I do this? But for me, it was never this place of, uh, like when I made the leap, I actually truly felt like I can do this. And, and also I was committed to it. So I had no other choice but to continue going on with it, and so I continued on. Um, but a really great piece of advice from Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote who's wrote so many books, but in the book that she wrote, Big Magic, she also wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and many others. She talks about how fear is something for her, even this famous author, that she lives with. Like each time she writes, so fear. Is, is very real. So for her, she feels that, that this fear comes in and it, thinking like, is are people going to like the work that I do? Are they going to like what this creativity that I put out? Because it's such a big piece of me. And she says, instead of letting fear drive the car, she lets it sit in the back seat or maybe even in the front seat. It can even change the radio station, but it cannot drive, period. She's driving. So it's, it's realizing we can live with this kind of uncertainty. Even my husband will say, yeah, he's like, there were days where he was working at the firm and he's like, yeah, I I would wake up sometimes with not in my stomach going, where am I going to get my next big win with a client? Mm -hmm. And it always came because he was putting in the business work and the business development as much as he was putting in the work of actually delivering for the client, which is really important. You can't forget that business development side of things. So So when it comes to that, getting through some of that, having those people around you, but then also the self-talk with yourself of realizing we're not going to let the fear steer and drive, but it might be there. Actually, a lot of times it's not there. And that's a really amazing, joyous feeling when you realize and when you've achieved and accomplished those great things and you see the clients and you see this this big book of business and you see people that want to be able to, to, to have your work. Then you start really realizing that even if this client falls out, even if these customers I don't have for a while, I know that there is still a need out there that I'm filling. And I will continue to be able to do that and telling yourself that and allowing that to steer, not the fear.
0: I love that. So Mo Williams wrote a book called Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. It's a kid's book. And so I think this is now going to be renamed Don't Let Fear Drive the Bus. (laughs) Don't Let Fear Drive Your Car. That's exactly right. It can, I mean, it can
1: even change the air conditioning and the heater heating and all that.
0: It cannot drive. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Um, Yeah, that was fantastic. And and I think there's just, there's so many great nuggets in there. One of them is, you know, going back to your days when you were broadcasting and you talked about how you took the time and you read through the scripts before you did it because you wanted to make sure there weren't any mistakes there. You did the prep, you did the hard work. Nobody is an overnight success. Everybody, there's years of hard work that comes before that, and it looks like an overnight success because you're just seeing the fruit of that labor. And what you said there about building up that pipe. So, you know, what's the how do you how do you actually you you're letting go and you're flying through the air, but actually you have this beautiful safety net that you've built underneath you. Yes. And that that safety net is not only your financial safety net, but it's also all the experience that you have that's gone before. And if this fails, you would have gotten a job somewhere. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like I had well, I had a mentor tell me that. I said, I am so fearful of going out there and just quitting my job and going and do this. He's like, what's the worst that can happen? I said... I don't know. I'd lose my home. I, you know, we would be in this dire straits. He's no, like, what you wouldn't. Are you You'd find about? a job. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you are a highly educated woman. Why do you think that? And it's because you let that fear get you into that. You know, where you're catastrophizing everything, and you know, the atom bomb has been dropped and everything is gone. And that's not reality.
1: No, it's not. It's not. And 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 don't underestimate the the work and the grit and the kind of the dirty work you might. Oh, like the, it doesn't feel like it's very fun work that you're going to have to do to, to get to achieve where you want to be. For example, a friend of mine who is an incredible musician and she, that is a hard industry to break into, but she mm. is doing it. Now she works for a tech company right now and she, she enjoys it kind of, but it's not really her thing. And then she's doing more of something that doesn't really fill her soul there, but she realized this isn't, is a means to an end. So, Absolutely. She's going to build up that, that buffer that she can live off of and build off financially while building her music career. And she's writing songs at night. She's working with producers. She's in the studio. So she is putting in so much work and so much time, but it's not forever. And that Mm -hmm. was the same thing with my job. It was not a forever thing where I needed to be working incredibly long hours into the night, holidays, weekends, whenever it was in the beginning in the first year and a half. Yeah, it was a grind. And I want people to hear that, to realize that that is going to be the reality, but it's going to be the most, it's not going to feel like a grind because that old phrase of, if you do what you love, it doesn't feel like you're actually working. And sometimes I go, this is amazing that I get to actually make a livelihood out of helping people break through their communication and, and media barriers in life. And it goes well beyond that too, because it goes into leadership, it goes into supporting teams, it goes to, to be inspiring and f- affecting ultimately the bottom line for companies. So, but the reality is like, it, it isn't just glitz and glamour, not even with JLo or whoever who is super successful and, and gorgeous on Instagram and all the things. They have worked super hard and it's been a challenge and there've been some roadblocks, but they've gotten through them and worked through them.
0: And I think that 18 months is so necessary. That's the slog. That's the nights. That's the weekends. That's the time away from your family. And it is hard. And when you're in the middle of it, sometimes you're thinking, is this going to be worth it? But when you put that time in, that's where you get to be able to reap the rewards from it. So absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I have to ask you the question, because this is the undiscovered you. Through this whole process, what have you actually discovered about yourself?
1: That I can literally achieve anything? I mean, it was it was amazing that growing up, I never had this thought that kind of this idea either way of what I could achieve. I was kind of like just going along and wanted to either be a professional singer or a professional tennis player. and you know, I the professional tennis player, I just a little old for that now, not old, but you know it's a young young person's career mm-hmm. and um and then singing, I like get to do on the side, so that's really fun. um and still so still get to do what I love there. but I it was just kind of going along and then you just kind of go into college and you just kind of do your thing. And, and so for me, there was never anything that I thought I can't achieve it, but I never was one of those that was going to put myself way out there. And especially once I got into my career, that's when I think the realization of, and the night naivete is gone a little bit where you go, Oh, I could fail. And that doesn't feel good. And maybe I should just do the things that don't make me fail. And so as that crept in a little bit, thankfully, having all those people around me were able to help me realize that there is nothing I can't achieve because, my goodness, I took the leap to start a nonprofit, which is not easy. I knew absolutely zero about nonprofits. I didn't even understand what board meetings were and board chairperson and keeping minutes and... (laughs) <laughs> and and calling for a vote. I mean, I knew nothing about it. Now I have sat on at least a minimum of half a dozen boards and will continue to go. I mean, probably a dozen boards. And now we'll continue to go from there. And they're anywhere from multimillion dollar uh, boards to ones that are just, you know, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand do, do a year for nonprofits, but everything in between. I never would have done that had I not just said, I'm just gonna take the first step. And so I think that's, what's been really exciting to see about myself is that when new things come now, such as I love aviation and you touched on that a little bit earlier, aviation is something that was so completely not on my radar, pardon the pun, but was not on my radar (laughs) at all. I never even dreamt of doing something like that until someone came to me and said, you should fly an airplane. That would be fun. Maybe even um, do a story on it or something. And I was like, okay, that'd be exciting. So I get into it. And then my now husband, when I met him, he was a pilot. I start flying with him. I start learning from him. And next thing you know, I'm like, well, I love adventure. Oh my goodness. And I love challenging myself. So why don't I try this? And I know there are a lot of people out there and myself included at times, but not anymore as much of that feeling of, I don't think I can do this.
0: Mm.
1: And I was really, I'm so thankful now that I've discovered through this that I can achieve anything that I put my mind to, like really anything. And so then when these challenges come, whether it's in flight training, figuring out how to fly a big jet, or whether it's flying, um, doing aerobatics, or whether it's being more precise with my instrument approaches or something, I just know that as long as I put in the hard work, I can do it. And it's not going to feel comfortable right away. I might not be perfect because I'm learning. Hello, no one's perfect when they're learning. And realizing that that's part of the learning process, I just embrace it and run towards it. And I just hope that that will light a fire in someone that you can achieve this if you start to realize that in the past, you've done all of this. You've achieved the things that you put your mind to your track record is pretty good at overcoming things. Cause you're here today. And that we can push through some of those barriers that we, that we put in front of ourselves. The the, the other piece of that is that you're really, I was really the only person ever holding myself back that I, if I had a negative conversation or I was having negative dialogue, that that was what was going to be holding my, me back. Really? No one else. Of course, There are circumstances and situations externally that people might try to hold you back or you have to push through that, absolutely. But most of the time, and certainly in my situations, it was me not thinking that I could do it. And then once I started thinking I could, everything opened up and even the naysayers or those who thought that, or the barriers that I had in front of me, I was able to then overcome. But I I mean, it. it's like the greatest feeling in the world to say, it's gonna be a little bit uncomfortable as I learn this, but I'm gonna be able to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think, I think m- reminding yourself that you're a learner is so important and giving yourself a bit of grace, the same grace that you would give to somebody else who was learning.
1: Yes. So important. And I've learned that through, um, as I've become a flight instructor. So I do flight instructing in, in multi-engine aircraft and single and whatever else, but I had no idea how much I would learn from my students mm-hmm. about the growth process. Oh my goodness. Um, and also what I learned from my executives when I coached them is that it, it is, it's not always comfortable at first, and that's what growth is, period. Growth is uncomfortable. Like physical growing pains as we're growing up, it hurts. Um, growth to develop a different side of us professionally, it sometimes feels uncomfortable. Growth to develop ourselves personally, the way we respond, um, our reactions to things, maybe the button that gets pushed that probably doesn't need to be there any longer, those things, um, They don't always feel comfortable, but that's the necessary part of going through something and is a necessary part of growth. So, yes, learning that and understanding that will hopefully help people realize that it's a part of the learning process.
0: Mm. So you've given lots of pieces of advice, but I ask every single one of our guests as our final question Uh, What is the best piece of advice you've ever heard or given or (laughs) what what, what would you say? Best piece of advice for our listeners. Don't get in your own way.
1: And that comes down to a lot of your personal, your self-talk. The advice from my husband that he gave me way back was that the way that you think of yourself and the way that you speak to yourself is can sometimes be way worse than we would ever speak to anybody else. Mm. And we can be really hard on ourselves. And would we ever tell our girlfriend or our guy friend or our daughter or our parents or colleagues, that same thing, if they were going through a challenging time. And so changing that, that inner dialogue with ourselves is really important. For example, he would tell me when, when he would go into big corporations, when he was just an associate, he would say, What he would like his inner dialogue was what What do I have to lend here? Uh, I'm not qualified for this. Like, I am freaked out. Oh my gosh, why am I here? And he's like, over time, he realized that was not helpful because there's a reason that those partners put you in that room. It's Mm -hmm. because you are absolutely qualified and you are absolutely the right person. Otherwise, they wouldn't have you there. And so he said. I just started to make a choice to change that conversation. And instead, I would say, they are so lucky that I am here. And I'm here with the incredible backing of this huge firm. And they're also here with my expertise, my zest, my positive attitude, and the way I come at things. So they are so lucky that I'm here. The key is, it didn't feel comfortable at first. And he didn't even believe it at first. But you have to tell yourself that at the beginning, and you have to kind of, Fake till you make it, if you will, or start putting it on until you start really believing it until it feels authentic. And then that's when you start believing even that belief in yourself of they're so lucky that I am here. And so don't get in your your own way of of saying you can't do it before anyone, before you've even tried it, before the world has even seen what you're capable of. So realizing it might not feel comfortable and might not feel authentic at first keep going, keep believing in yourself. And then having those around you, of course, that do as well. But finding those things that fill you up, whether it's like, again, I love singing. I love tennis. Is that going to be my career? No, but I love doing it on the side. But what do I love? I love seeing people break through these barriers, this aha moment of, oh, that's how I can be better at speaking. That's how I can be better at interacting with my colleagues. That's how I can be better in a media interview. And then using your skills and talents that you've developed or God-given skills and talents to then insert those to be that person for them to help overcome that, that's what I've found that I love. And hopefully that's what people can find in their lives as well, in their professional lives. Those skills they have, the innate traits that they have, those things will be your career. Just allow it that time and use every single every single mentor and every single piece of advice and every single resource you have at your disposal, um, to be successful.
0: I love that. So I'm going to be looking for your CD because, um, you said you're doing it on the side, so I'm expecting a CD out of you.
1: I'll be singing some tunes. (laughs) I
0: love it. I love it. Next time we'll do a little sing along. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So, Stephanie, this has been fantastic. And Stephanie um, Getz, so that's spelled G-O-E-T-Z or Z for our UK listeners, yes, that can yes. be found on Getscom.com. So that's Getz Communications. You can look up on uh, Google. But um, you have been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have learned loads.
1: Oh, fabulous. Well, Kimberly, it's such a pleasure, and it's great to see what you're doing. Thank you for having this great podcast because there's a lot of people that I come across and see that, that need something like this and need that, that little bit of people who've done it and, 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 and they could do the exact same thing. So thanks for everything you're doing too.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll speak to you soon again, Stephanie. Bye-bye. Sounds fabulous. Thanks, Kimberly. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Undiscovered You. Please join us next week When I speak to Philippa Bird, a senior manager at a major financial institution who is full of some amazing advice about CVs, interviews, and how to get yourself out there and use those transferable skills. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and add your comments below. And I hope that you're one step closer to discovering the undiscovered you.